0: cross-voice platform yeah. for cross-type topic discussion. Uh, I'm Sam O'Banion. I'm Nick Panone, And we are podcast only now. We're podcasters, Nick. I feel
1: so... What generation are we in now? Oh, man. I mean,
0: generation of people or generation of... Like, is it after... Are we past Gen Z yet? Oh, uh, no. Well, you don't really know until you're past it. So, okay. technically, I think we're still in Gen Z.
1: Okay, so
0: you don't want to hear my theory about uh, <laughs> about many generations becoming a new norm.
1: I think that's why everyone's tuning in, yeah,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, we're going to talk about
0: Philippians.: Yeah, we are starting Philippians, yeah, today. Philippians, uh, probably would you say the most quoted New Testament book?
1: Yeah, I think there's reasons for that, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is our third prison epistle that you and I are discussing. Mm-hmm. But in order, it, 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 it probably still is third, yeah. right? We just kind of went two, one, three.
0: There's somebody out there that's like, why'd they go Ephesians, Galatians? <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing?
1: Because we have this grandmaster plan yeah. that we follow to a team. Exactly.
0: We, <laughs> We're not winging anything. Yeah, not at all. We didn't just go. Well, let's start with Ephesians and see what happens. <laughs> no, we never did that at all. Question marks yeah. everywhere.
1: No, I do think this is probably um, most quoted. I I I don't know, but it's it's quoted a whole lot. Quite possibly because this is Paul's kindest letter that he <laughs> he wrote. Fair, yeah. um, I, one 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 place I I checked into said that this is this is a letter to the church that is Paul's strongest supporter. Mm, yeah, and so I think I think there is a very uh, close relationship that he has that he has with Philippi.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah. Well, so today will be mostly introduction, mm-hmm. figuring out what Philippi even means, what that is. Yeah. What, what is a Philippi? And then... Uh, and then <laughs> Do our best not to say the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's going to
1: happen. We're in the
0: thick of the Philippines. And then uh, Manny Pacquiao loves this. <laughs> He's going to eat this up. Uh, that's a deep cut for some. but And then, uh, and then uh, I almost said Ephesians. That was two books ago. Philippians 1, 1 through 2 is what we'll talk about today. Yeah,
1: it's one of the eons. So how would you like to do this? Do you want to talk about some introduction stuff and get into the text, or do you just want to read these two verses and then just let it launch us into everything?
0: You know, let's do introduction. I think that'd be more fun. Let's introduce what Philippians means, what Philippi is, and then we'll read the verses.
1: There you go. So anyone looking for Philippians in your Bible, you're in the New Testament. If you kind of look at the eons, right, first... Mm -hmm. Corinthians, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Mm -hmm. All right. So Paul's writing to a church in Philippi, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, First, I need to introduce a phrase, all right? Okay. Because this is going to be kind of a a guiding tool for us to understand what what Paul's writing writing for in here. And and we're going to get into all this introductory stuff, but Paul is deeply theological Mm -hmm. in this, so most of our discussion, I think, is going to be doctrine, theology, some kind of high-level theology,
0: highbrow theology, highbrow Mm -hmm. theology.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, in it's also pretty foundational for some things that we experience as a church. Yeah. Right. So, outside of Acts, this is probably our greatest model for uh, ecclesiastical. yeah, I told yeah. you highbrow theology. Oh, well, yeah, already. Yes, we're we're in. And I don't know how not to do that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what Philippians is. It, it yeah. is. So right. we have a greater understanding of the church, probably in this book more so than any others outside of Acts, mm-hmm. right? This is this is very much a guiding principle for the people of God. So here's the phrase I want to introduce. It wasn't ecclesiastical.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: It is the phrase incarnation principle. All right. Okay. And it's a. Uh, it, It's it's an idea that truth is modeled, okay, and so the incarnation principle is going to guide us through Philippians, and it'll make more sense as we go along. But when Paul's making a point, he's not just giving it lip service. Uh, Sometimes he's saying, "Look at my example." Sometimes he's saying, "Look at this example," and. Everything kind of comes to a head in chapters two and leaking into three,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it's Christ as the example, yeah. and and so a lot we'll hear the term imitate or imitation, we'll hear uh, the term put on or or wore or, or carried on or something like this, and so the incarnation principle, and in, in here in the next week or two he's going to really hit that hard. That's important, so. So that it's going to kind of blanket us as we yeah, as we go through this. For sure. Uh, what should we talk about as far as introduction?
0: You want to talk about the city of Philippi? Yeah, let's jump right into Philippi itself and what okay. that is.
1: So Paul wrote to this church that's in this city, Philippi. By the at the time that Paul wrote, it's kind of a smaller city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not teeny tiny. It's not a small town, but it's not a metropolis.
0: I mean, in the grand scheme of the world, it's not, it's pretty new comparatively to the rest of Greece. Yes, at least this version of it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this version of it is a baby compared Correct. to, yeah.
1: Now, here's the crazy thing about Philippi we have excavated, I mean, <laughs> every square inch, <laughs> every square inch. Over the last, seriously, just within the last hundred years, mm-hmm. um, there is so much information about the city of Philippi. Um, I, I Just to give give you some examples of this, uh, just so you know where we're looking, because it is podcast, we can't show a map right here. But if you you can look at just about any map of of the ancient Roman Empire, and you'll you'll see the city of Philippi. It is on the northeast part of Macedonia. Yep. Right. Just north of the Aegean Sea. Yep. Okay. Um, there is a major road uh, from the kind of Roman highway that, that goes east west. And it is, uh, the name of that road is Via Ignatia, right? Um, it's, it's a main street, not just in Philippi, but it's a main street in the Roman Highway.
0: I mean, it goes all across northern Greece. Correct. <laughs> From sea to sea. If sea to
1: shining sea. Sea to shining sea to si- shining sea. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you were traveling in Rome, you're doing this by one of two ways. You're mm-hmm. doing it either by foot or chari- um, on land. Yeah. Right? Or you're doing it by sea. If you're traveling on land, you would probably and most likely be on this via Ignatia. Yeah. Right? All right. So if you uh, enter into the city of uh, Philippi, you will see these things that have already been excavated. You'll see a forum. You'll see an agora. You'll see all kinds of smaller streets. You'll see a gymnasium. You'll see baths. And remember, bathing was a public... Thing. Bathrooms were, that, that, was a, that was a public thing, public space for all that because they didn't have plumbing like we did. You'll see a library
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: which tells us a lot about the city and you'll see what's called the uh, Acropolis and sort of the social center, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah, um, And you'll see all of those things excavated in, in the city of Philippi. You'll also see a couple of temples which we think are temples to Apollo and Artemis. Um, Apollo, he's going to come back up a little bit later. He was the Greek god of sun, light, music, poetry, beauty, agriculture, uh, so kind of a artisan, mm-hmm. right? And we've covered Artemis at length in, in <laughs> Ephesians, but goddess of fertility, yeah, right? Um, so you'll see that that stuff, like we said earlier, northern Macedonia, about 10 miles from another city called Neapolis, which is a major seaport on the Aegean Sea. Uh, as a matter of fact, when Paul is doing his mission work, that's how he gets to Philippi. He travels to Neapolis, walks the 10 miles. Yeah,
0: mentioned in Acts and
1: yes, Acts 16, and yeah. we'll we'll make reference to that quite a bit probably yes. today. Yeah. Uh, It is, the reason why it's important is because it is a major supplier of water, Mm -hmm. a major supplier of timber, a major supplier of uh, all kinds of different metals, and it is famous for Philippi and and kind of the surrounding area. It's famous for gold mines, uh, specifically on the hill of Dionysus. Um, So because of those things, those are... Fairly important things. Those aren't just goods. Those are like survival yeah. things.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right? You, you need water, and I mean, let's be honest, you, gold is a commodity. Like gold like, is a
1: commodity, but it's also an economy.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so it, this is how the, the civilization mm-hmm. stayed civil. Yeah. Right? So, because of that, it became a capital of Greek armies before the Roman Empire period.
0: Yeah, and not only that, it was originally, uh, who was it? King Philip of Macedon, yeah. Alexander the Great's father. He kind of was the one that really established this. Well, it was there, but he, it wasn't there. <laughs> it,
1: right. It was I, I wouldn't village. say established. I would say he organized. Yeah, that's okay. a good
0: That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. He got a group of people that were there kind of already, but he sent a lot of veteran soldiers yeah establish let's talk about that for a second
1: Um, before I do I just want to mention one more kind of feature of this place Uh, there is in the uh, real near the city and this pretty known Philippi is pretty known for this a 750 foot high cliff that overlooks the city Mm -hmm. and if you were to travel there you would see there's places on the side of this cliff that were uh, known for housing uh, idols and so all kinds of different types of worship that were probably and potentially happen there. Yeah. Right. And just over the picture I saw on that, it would, it, it's a trick to get into the side of that mountain yeah. and, and place that. So, okay. So let's talk about what you, what you just mentioned there. Uh, just sort of the history of this, uh, of this place. First of all, I found that it went by several names. Oh yeah. Um, I, at first I was like, I'm not going to read these names, but then I go, eh, kind of interests me. <laughs> <laughs> so indulge me for a second. Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: Basta? is That that kind of sounds like a place in California. It Tasa does Basta? sound.
1: It a lot of these do. Uh, Tasabeita, the, the it, and that refers to the group of people that were there first before Greeks are are overtaking yeah. it. Okay. Uh, another name was Datis. Uh, another name, Crnides,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that is a name to describe the fountains and the springs that were there. Yep. Major. It was famous for its fresh water supply. Yeah. Right? Uh, then, and this is kind of what you brought us to, it became a, a capital of the Greek Empire mm-hmm. in 359 58 BC uh, by, at the time, the emperor was Philip II uh, of Macedon. Yeah. All right. So, just a real, I'm going to be as brief as I can about the Greek Empire and its the way it, it found it. You mentioned Philip, right? Yep one of the most famous Greek military leaders, right? Yeah. Okay. Philip uh, has a son named Alexander the Great mm-hmm. who takes what he started and creates the empire out of this. And
0: runs with it for like like a decade.
1: Yes, he's and called the back. Great for a reason. Yeah. Okay. Now, not much more than that, though, because he dies at a very early age. Yes, quickly. Yes,
0: Which makes his accomplishments that much more impressive.
1: That much more impressive. It dies in his 20s. He's truly a great. Yes, he he dies in his 20s. Now, here's the problem with that, okay? Uh, Imagine the United States, when we first started, we had a very important person named George Washington, Mm -hmm. okay? Imagine we wrote the Declaration of Independence, we ratified the Constitution, we now birthed the nation, and then the next day, George Washington dies, Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what happened here. No one knew what to do. Uh, Alexander had one son who was just, he was infant. If they had diapers, he was in his huggies, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, he was technically the emperor. Outside of that, there's, for the rest and the duration of the Greek empire, there's a clash over who is the ruler. Yeah. And it divides into all kinds of territories, uh, we, we get the Macedonians, we, we get the Thracians, we get Egypt. Um, even when we get into, like, Syria and the Palestine and, and things like this, it's, it's crazy. There's a constant clash of uh, civil war, mm-hmm. and then also they're sort of united in their civil war, so they're fighting off what they consider barbarians. Yeah. All right. So in the kind of territory of Macedon, that's where we get Philip II. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now he's actually a, for the first time considered uh, a great leader yeah. depending on how you understand great. Okay. Uh, influential. How about that? Yeah. All right. So he conquers the Thracians, which is where Philippi is. Okay? Est- uh, Macedon ex- expands. Mm-hmm. Uh, he establishes Philippi as the capital. Now. When he establishes this capital the real really the only tenants really at there there's some other folks but it's it's military mm-hmm. and they 're all retired, yeah, and so they they kind of start this right here they 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 create this city two hundred years they 're doing all right until all of a sudden Rome becomes a thing, and then Rome conquers Macedonia uh, and they uh, kind of start their influence, and here comes the Romans now. And then in 44 B.C., I'm going to ask, this is a test question for you. you. In the Roman Empire, what is significant about the year 44 B.C.?
0: I mean... Even if you have to take a guess. I believe this, like, I think 44 B.C. is the year it was established. Or is the, wait. Is that the year Julius Caesar was killed? Bingo. Okay, because... I know what happens just outside of Philippi uh-huh. shortly thereafter. Okay. So I had to remember what year that happened. Very
1: good. 44 BC, yeah. Julius Caesar is assassinated. Mm-hmm. All right. The famous, even Caesar, Shakespeare's Caesar. Brute. Well, Brute has a role in this. Okay. Yes. Is that what you were referring to just a little bit ago? Yes. Okay. Do you mind sharing what you? at least kind of the general idea of what was going on right there.
0: So with what happens outside of Philippi here? Yes. You know. Okay, so Julius Caesar is killed by a group of senators and his close confidant, uh, Brutus, I can't mm-hmm. remember his yeah. whole name. Yeah. And so there's basically an internal struggle between, in Rome, of who's going to, kind of like what happened with Alexander the Great when he died, is like who's yeah. going to take over, what's going to happen next. Civil war. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so Octavian and the other guy... Antony. Antony, because mm-hmm. Cleopatra. Uh, Antony and Octavian team up with a group of Romans, Brutus, and his group team Bruce up. Brutus and Cassius. Yes, Cassius, yeah. uh, famous boxer. He, <laughs> Not Cassius, he, Cassius. <laughs> they team up, and there's a the ultimate battle, the final battle, takes place just outside of Philippi. In the agency
1: uh, and, and yeah. then into the, in the land,
0: yeah. Uh, ultimately, Octavian rules or defeats Brutus and Cassius and lo and behold. And, and do
1: you know who Octavian is? He becomes Caesar Augustus. He's Augustus. Caesar
0: Augustus, the first Caesar. Yes. Not Julius Caesar. Yes. Okay. Augustus but, is the first. Yes. Established shortly after this. Short Named Augustus by the Senate and then they named Philippi after him, kind of.
1: <laughs> kind of, That's, Yeah.
0: The name of Philippi is my favorite when he becomes Augustus, because it's like, Colonius, Augustius, Polavius, Philipponius. You're there like, you go. That's a, you just call it Philippi.
1: Every great general we can think of, right? Yeah. Let's just throw it on oh, onto one name.
0: worth mentioning, it's called Philippi after Philip II of Macedon. Right. I don't know if we actually said yeah, that, that Yeah, that's, okay, yeah. that's where you're coming that, at next. Yeah, that's, that's, okay. that's where you got it. Okay, so... Uh, Antony defeats
1: Cassius in battle, mm-hmm. Octavian defeats Brutus uh, like two weeks later yeah. in battle. Uh, conquers um, they essentially established the Philippi that we know of this letter in 42 BC and it is occupied primarily by soldiers. Um, now here's here's the the bizarre thing because it is still considered Uh, A Greek city, but we're in the Roman Empire, Mm -hmm. right? And what Rome does with it is sometimes we we consider Rome as this um, tyrannical empire. And I think in moments of its history it is. But at least at the beginning of it, they had this philosophy Pax Romana, right? Let's keep the peace of Rome. And the fight, the, any, any battle that we're going to fight is not going to be internal. It's going to be for expansion. And this is also the way that we can civilize the, the barbarians. Yeah. Right? All right. So with Philippi, uh, it's an important city. And so they sort of turn this over because it's now being run by retired soldiers. Mm-hmm. They sort of self-govern themselves. Right? Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of interference from Rome. They just sort of let them be. We see this again in another city called Jerusalem.
0: Yeah. Hey,
1: those guys aren't interested in fighting us at the moment. Just, just let them have their weird cult, their weird single god cult.
0: Yeah. And yeah. let the guy that's already, like the, the guy whose dad was over that kind of beforehand, mm-hmm. let those guys be the governors. Yeah. It's fine. Let, it's Herod's there. Let them
1: figure that out. We yeah. got yeah. other fish to fry. Yeah. Uh, just keep sending your gold this way, and s- keep sending your timber, your metals. Let us create, make our weapons. Let us make our boats. Mm-hmm. Let it. And also, we like to have fresh water. We don't want to drink the salt stuff.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that that's what's going on. Uh, that's that's the really really brief history mm-hmm. of it. Uh, the people that that make up Philippi, there's really three main groups of people uh, that I found, unless you found something different, I, I saw the Thracians, mm-hmm. uh, there's still remnants of them, uh, the Greeks, and then the Romans. Yeah. Uh, so mo- most of that, uh, based on the inscriptions that they see, uh, Rome really worked hard at cult- creating the yeah. culture there, so Latin was a primary language, you also see Greek, but if you wanted to, if you're going to be a citizen of the city, you're going to pick up Latin,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the it, ancient Latin. That's anyway.
0: in- the I almost called it the the Via Ignatia. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, uh, they actually have road signs still on stone there that are in Latin and Greek. Like yes, that's the languages. Cor- like, that's correct. Correct. You read. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The the interesting thing about this is we have z- not zero very little evidence of any type of Jewish yeah. organized population there, right? Uh, now, if you read about Paul's experience in Philippi on his second missionary journey, it's Acts 16, starting verse 11, and just, just kind of read through that. He's looking for a place of prayer, mm-hmm. uh, finds one by the riverside. Yeah. There are some folks who said that's where any Jews of Philippi would, that, that's where they would meet,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that, kind of how yeah, the church yeah. gets established here in a second.
0: That, Acts 16 is real interesting. I, With, love the, I love Acts 16. It's just like... It, it, so I Just spoiler alert, because we're probably going to talk about it more, but it's just like a couple women praying by the river, and Paul's like, yeah. oh, go there. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway. And it,
1: very important women, too. Yeah.
0: It tur- well, it turns out, yeah. good call, Paul.
1: Yeah. <laughs> good call, Paul. It, absolutely. And, 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 and we'll, we'll dive into that here in a second, I think. Uh, religion. You want to talk about that? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So... Again, we have. When I say we have excavated, Sam and I have done nothing to excavate Philippi. I'm talking about mankind.
0: We, Nick and I went to Philippi countless times yeah, over the years.
1: Yeah, it's it's in Starbucks somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, but we do. Uh, if you were to go visit Philippi, you would you would find some things uh, excavated there. Some things that we would think of, as far as religious activities concerned. We talked about Apollo, mm-hmm. right? Uh, matter of fact, the temple to Apollo shows up in Acts 16. Yep. All right, uh, we have um, uh, some religious activity around the Greek god uh, Sylvanus or Silas, which is Paul's traveling partner. Probably got his name because of that. Yep. Right, uh, Sylvanus was the the considered the god of the woodland. Um, we also have Eastern cult evidences there, Egyptian. The Egyptian, uh, uh, some Egyptian religious activity with ISIS there. Um, There's also the Emperor cult, and the Emperor cult is, uh, you're the Caesar right now. Here's your temple.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. If if you were a leader in this time, it was basically assumed that you were chosen by the gods.
1: And you have, and when you have the temple dedicated to you, you've been established. Yeah. All right. Uh, Because we have evidences of several different. Caesars from the first 12 emperors Mm -hmm. uh, who who are mentioned there. Also, Thracian gods. And this is the one that kind of grabbed my attention just a little bit. Three gods, apparently, from Thrace that were worshipped or at least recognized there. Liber Patir. Okay. Alright? The god of wine. Or really, he's the god of the grapevine. Okay. Alright? So, luxury. Yep. Right? Uh... (laughs) I like this name, Thracian Rider.
0: I, that sounds yeah. That sounds like a really hipster boy name.
1: It does. He's the god of hunting. Okay. All right. So he and Sylvanus are kind of similar. Yeah. Right. And then Bendis or Bendis. Bendis.
0: Yes. Sorry. That's all right. Bendis is a great name. She. The only thing
1: we have is she's connected to the goddess uh, Diana and Artemis. So. Okay.
0: We just
1: yeah we just assume she's a goddess of fertility yeah right uh, but those are Thracian gods I have not done a deep dive on Thracian gods so I'm <laughs> way more familiar with the Greek and kind of Roman
0: I want to I want to meet the guy that's done a deep dive on Thracian gods because he's a special character I
1: bet the, we we should probably go to that
0: Starbucks and, and I visit it with him. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and I, yeah I would I would legitimately talk to him that yeah. is
1: interesting well so that all this should makes sense to us if, when you understand kind of the makeup of, of Philippi, yeah. right? So it is one of those blending of cultures. Mm-hmm. It, there, there's a sort of type of melting pot that, yeah. that's going on there.
0: And predominantly a polytheistic one. right? Which, yeah, makes it a, a very interesting mission field for Paul.
1: It, it does. <laughs> compared uh, to the
0: rest of his mission fields, which at least have some semblance of there's the synagogue.
1: Prior to Paul's arrival, there's very little evidence of monotheistic worship mm-hmm. all right um also very well-to-do neighborhood here yeah right this is people living here that probably cost of living is up mm-hmm. right the, this they're they they're doing all right all right so paul shows up yep okay paul shows up this is in his second missionary journey you can see his first interaction with it again in Acts 16. You just start right around verse 11. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Prior to this, uh, he was on the other side of the agency, the east side of the sea, and he gets this vision that he needs to go to Macedonia Yep. because uh, someone's in need of help. And he kind of makes his way there, visits Derby, Lystra, arrives in Neapolis, uh, and on his way he kind of picks up some folks. Uh, Silas is traveling with him. This is right after he splits up with Barnabas Mm -hmm. over John Mark. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And on the way, they also pick up Timothy. All right. And Timothy is this convert, and he's ready to do ministry. Yes. All right. Then he arrives in Philippi looking for a place to pray. And when he does, he meets this lady named Lydia. Yeah. All right. This is somewhere around the years AD 48 to 51, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. We didn't dispute on dates. <laughs>
0: no, yeah. This Honestly dispute.
1: though, if yeah. we're disputing on dates, we're uh we're pulling something out of a hat. Here. Yeah. Yeah. For, it, it's it's really hard to dispute it.
0: Yeah, for for X, yeah. Yeah. For this it's not that difficult to go. It's fair.
1: It's yeah, fair. exactly. Okay, so Lydia Runs mm-hmm. into Lydia. So three major things that happen in, in this part. Mm-hmm. Okay? And really all I'm doing is giving you an outline of Act 16 yeah. with this. Runs <laughs> into Lydia. We find out that she is a wealthy businesswoman. Yes. Okay? She, she sells linen, but specifically she sells the purple dye for the linen. And purple is what is typically associated with royalty.
0: Yeah, be, because it's so hard to come by. Because it's so hard to it's come by. It's not a cheap thing to buy.
1: Now I did run into a couple things, and I think this bears kind of repeating here or addressing. Mm-hmm. That some people said the way that because Lydia is a woman, mm-hmm. that the way she got this business is that she possibly inherited it from, from her, her husband, from her husband as a widow,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or from her parents. Yeah. Right. I want to be very careful with that. We have no evidence. Yeah. There's zero evidence. It is entirely possible that Lydia. Was really good at this business, mm-hmm. and she just created something out of this. Yeah, and and she created a market for this, and she probably monopolized the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very good acumen when it come, when it comes to, to this business. Also, she becomes part of the founding
0: part of this church. Yeah, right. And I mean, it's not that hard of a leap to make to if you're a single person. I, to find the right dyes to make purple, I, th- I believe it's a certain kind of mountainous flower and seashe- certain kinds of seashells. Okay. So to make that, you have to be willing to go find it yeah. and get it. Yeah. And she's just on her own. Like it's, what holds most women back at this time is they have to be married and find, make a family to be wealthy. And she apparently is just from some town in Turkey is like, you know what, I'm just going to go find purple dyes. Which
1: possibly be making her way. Yeah. Yeah. So in some kind of entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Right. All mm-hmm. the while, when you read the text, you see that she is inclined to worship God. So yeah. now I'm going to kind of postulate a little bit here yeah. that, Hey, there's got to be in the realm of gods. There's got to be one overall of like the God of gods, mm-hmm. right? The Lord of Lords. And, Apparently, she has had some kind of run-in with this Jewish monotheistic cult. Yeah. Right. Okay, so she's praying. Paul shows up. They talk. Uh, She says, hey, I've got a mansion. (laughs) Why don't you and your your friends come stay with me? Paul's convinced, and he goes. Okay, then the second major event happens. Uh, Paul's in the city. Paul and Silas are in the city. They come across this... She's called a slave girl of divination. Yes. Right. Um, and she identifies Paul for who he is, and Paul exercises whatever demon is in her, and this is all around this uh, this this
0: temple where Apollos and, and Artemis Silas and all, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. One of my favorite verses of all time because it's—I mm-hmm. pulled it up. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, because she's just following her, following them, yelling at them about God. And finally, Paul's just like, oh, my gosh, woman, yeah, shut up. And yes. Like, it goes. It so splits.
1: So this would be you. If you're teaching something, I go, listen to Sam. He's yeah. teaching important stuff about God. <laughs> Sam of God, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So in, in just following along, doing this consistently, yeah, right? And so... They exercise her. She... We don't know that she comes to salvation, but it's... You can assume it. Yeah. Okay? So this leads us to our third major event. And uh, the men who owned this slave girl are now really upset because they made a ton of money off of her. Yeah. Because she... People would come, pay money. What is she... What future is she going to predict? Yeah. What... You know, what... What's going to happen here? And it, they're really mad. So they bring Paul, according to the scriptures, Paul and Silas to the marketplace.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Probably that's, by the way, is the agora. Yep. Okay. Probably the same one that we have excavated. Mm-hmm. Bring them before that. Now, here's the thing we need to know about religious activity in Philippi. We just talked about how Philippi was kind of self-governed, right? But religious activity. There was legal re- religious activity and illegal religious activity. The legal stuff was approved by the Senate and honestly the Senate approved just about everything, yeah. particularly if they can make some money off of that, if we could tax these people, mm-hmm. right? Um, then we have illegal activity, religious activity, and this was what they called it unsanctioned, right? And. Really, to be considered illegal, one, you're not registered with the Senate, but most of the time they didn't care after that. All they were concerned, like uh, Judaism was not sanctioned.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But Judaism could happen as long as you didn't cause a ruckus. These guys that owned this slave girl that Paul and Silas uh, uh, cast demons from, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: they brought them in front of the people at the Agora, and said they're causing a ruckus they are causing a ruckus these are rebel rousers uh these guys are doing illegal acts causing problems for people i.e we lost our business yeah yeah that's the ruckus they're causing and so there's this back and forth back and forth and ultimately what happens is they throw them in jail trying to figure out what to do with them uh in the kind of the middle of night paul and silas they're not licking wounds or anything, they're singing. Mm -hmm. They're singing praises. They're singing hymns. They're making new songs, right? Yeah. And within that hour, there's a massive earthquake that shakes away all the chains and the jailer who's over the, the jail there Comes in after the earthquake, sees that the chains are gone, goes of every
0: prisoner, of not just those two. Of every prisoner,
1: yes, th- and this is really important, right? Yeah. Of every prisoner, and he goes, "Oh no, I'm out, I'm out." <laughs> and he takes his sword out of yeah. the sheath, and he's getting ready to run himself. And Paul and Silas go, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Nobody has left." Yeah. Right. No one's gone. You're fine. We all stayed here. And he begins to ask questions: How could that? How? Why aren't you escaped? You know that yeah. that kind of thing. Well, let me tell you what we were singing about, and this is how, this is all connected, and we, we, we get to see this jailer more or less uh, converted. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, Paul reveals that uh, throughout this process too, because all they say is, "Hey, we don't want to mess with you; we're kicking you out of town." Paul says, "Hold on, I'm a Roman citizen," and then Philippi, the officials of Philippi, go, "Oh no." Yeah. You don't pick on a Roman citizen, yeah. right? And they start kind of backtracking everything. I'm sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry all this stuff. Well, anyway, Paul has been reaffirmed in, in the foundation of this church. People are starting to gather now, and they're all starting to talk about Paul. What, what's this stuff he was talking about? He's casting out demons. He's talking about one God, all these things. So the church is birthed mm-hmm. there. Um, it, it's also worth noting, too, he comes back in his third missionary journey, kind of kind of toward the front end of it. Um, and in that third missionary journey when he visits Philippi is when he writes the book of Second Corinthians. Yeah. Okay. And that's right around the year AD 55. So about f- roughly four years after he's uh, established his, his, this church in Philippi.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Conan checking on that. It's considered a healthy church. Um, we learn a lot about Gentiles. We learn a, it's, it's made up of almost all Gentiles. Uh, it's got a very healthy women's ministry going on. <laughs> uh, they are known for their generosity. They are very loyal to the missionary movement that Paul is on, mm-hmm. right? As a matter of fact, they give a, a great gift to Paul when they learn that he's in prison. And so that that's kind of how the church gets going. Yeah. That, that's 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 who he's writing to there. Um, I think it's important when we start getting into the text that we ask the question, why did Paul write this? Or why did this author write this? Uh, It's known as the occasion, right? Mm -hmm. The occasion. Uh, Typically, there's a problem that Paul learns about and he writes to address the problem or someone's saying something about him and he's writing to defend himself and so we'll have the front half of his letters kind of be high-end doctrinal statements and then the back half be, okay, because of that doctrine, here's what you do. Mm -hmm. The applicant That's not it in (laughs) in Philippians. He's just like,
0: you guys are doing great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for the most part, right? There's
0: some There's like a small hiccup, but you know what? You know what to do. Yeah,
1: there's some issues. Just keep moving. Yeah, so just reading through the letter, here's some things I wrote, okay? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, I think he was giving them a heads up. Timothy was coming. Yep. Okay? Paul was saying, hey, I'm planning to come visit you again, which is probably that trip back on his third missionary journey. Yep. uh, Right before he gets arrested. Uh. Uh, and even after his arrest, we can we can say, hey, when he gets out, he's he's coming, coming back. back. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Paul's Thanksgiving for their gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the word thanks and thank and Thanksgiving and rejoice all over the yeah. all over the text. Um, again, the Church of Philippi was probably his biggest supporter. Uh, and remember, they're well to do. So, folks like Lydia, who who got this business acumen, hey, let Paul's in trouble, let's collect this. Mm -hmm. And they send it to him. Um, Also, I think Paul's doing a little reflection. Uh, Just, hey, what's the state of the church right now? I'm in prison, but because, he says, because of his chains, the evangelistic efforts of the church global is just booming. Yeah. Yeah, just booming. Uh, Also, there's a guy that we're going to be introduced to named Epaphroditus.
0: Epaphroditus. Great name. If I have a son... Yeah, Epaphroditus.
1: Epaphroditus. He is a Philippian mm-hmm. uh, who was doing ministry work with Paul. becomes very ill, and after he recovers, he kind of talks to Paul and says, "Hey, I'd like to go visit my hometown again." And I think Paul's capitalizing on that yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, we keep saying Paul is the writer. There is no real dispute.
0: Literally, like even non-Christian Bible scholars are like, yeah, Paul wrote that. E-
1: exactly. Uh, some have even said this is actually the model letter. Yeah. Uh, like we should To know how a, an ancient letter works, read Philippians.
0: Yeah. Some are saying now, though, that it's a way to look at a collection of letters. Yeah. Want to yeah. talk about that? I wasn't sure if you were going to get there, and I was like, I'll just throw it in and see yeah. what, throw that grenade it's in. It's my
1: very next note. So cool. the integrity of the letter. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. The question is being asked, is the letter really the letter to the Philippians or is it a collection of letters? Letters to the yeah, Philippians. Yeah, to the Philippians. There's basically three theories that I ran into, right? Mm-hmm. That it is a single unified letter. Two, that it's two letters that's been put together. You'll never guess what the third theory is. Uh, three letters? More than two. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, more than two. Right. Here's where this comes from, the
0: 1960s. That's everything. Everything I saw <laughs> said 1960s Germany. People were saying Philippians is a collection of letters, and here's
1: why. All right, here, here's here's where where they grab onto. There is a guy, who's second generation Christian named Polycarp. All right. Yeah. Polycarp is. You need you go look it up. He's awesome dude all Mm -hmm. right i've read several of the things that he's i have
0: another boy if you
1: have another boy polycarp well polycarp is famous for being burned at the stake but not burning yeah okay um he's also a disciple of the apostle john Mm -hmm. all right he works in ephesus or at least that's that's where we know him from yeah he also writes a letter to the philippians and in that letter that he writes to the church in philippi he said, "He says, kind of recall, uh, recall that, essentially, the Paul wrote you letters,
2: mm-hmm.
1: m- plural. So people grab that phrase, wrote letters, yeah. and develop this big giant theory out of this. And they say that there's that the letter that the letter that we're going to read and study is fragmented. Here's where I tried to find out where they uh, said it's all fragmented. Um, some are saying that." In chapter 4, verses 10 through 12 is its own letter. Yep. Some people have actually expanded that to verse 20. Yep.
0: Four ten through twenty. Yeah.
1: Uh there is a, another fragmentation that's chapter three, verse two, through. I wrote chapter four, verse nine, but some people even expanded that a little bit, uh, and overlapping into the other fragment. hmm Okay. Then others say, look at chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, which is mm. most likely a hymn, that that's a fragmented part. Yeah. And that what we have in our book that we call Philippians is just we smash these letters together.
0: I've, there's one I found that he argued for three, and I'm looking at it because it was so frustrating, that he called letter A, 4, 10 through 20, letter B, chapter 1 through chapter 3, 1. Like, so 1-1 one, one to 3-1. Mm-hmm. And the frustrating thing to me isn't only that I disagree with that, but also that the first letter is, starts in chapter 4, and then he says letter B is chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Why not make chapter 1 letter A? Yeah. Like, what are we doing, man? Yeah. First of all, I don't even trust you because you're lettering your numbers wrong. Like, <laughs>
1: what are letter- we doing? Man? Numbering your letters wrong. Yeah,
0: whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean. Bro, like, yeah. figure this out.
1: Yeah, exactly. If
0: it's chapter 1, make that letter A. Just throw that. Okay, You're, I'm already discrediting you just from that.
1: As I'm reading this, I'm going, "Oh, Sam and I are going to be on the same page with this." Yeah, yeah. So I made a case for one unified letter. Yes. All right. Here's my case. One, you just pointed one out. Okay. the def- The definitive evidence of multiple fragments is severely lacking. Mm. Like people who champion this fragmented theory don't agree on what the fragments are. Mm-hmm. Um, so. We could start and end right there, really. Yeah. Uh, if it's fragmented, we need to know what the fragments are. You can't.
0: It just... should be crystal clear.
1: Yeah. The evidence needs to lead you to a theory. You can't say, "Here's a theory." Let's just create some evidence out of this, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that evidence is is lacking. Uh, the frag the fragment theories disagree on the length of the fragments. There is no evidence for separate fragments, right? There, there's no evidence that that those things are actually separate. Mm-hmm. It's lacking completely. Also, we don't know then if the if those really are fragmentations. We have zero idea when they were put together. Yeah. Um,
0: who put them together? Who put them when? Together, where?
1: Why? There why. is zero motivation for putting that all together and yeah. saying this is this is one letter, not multiple letters.
0: If if there is any reason to jam letters together, then why is Philémon philemon fileman yeah. why, why is he on his own because that thing is tiny you
1: it is just, tiny
0: or the three johns you can just throw those three johns together figure y- it out
1: y- y- exactly and um why would we do that
0: yeah it doesn't it, make sense
1: yeah it would be i think it'd be more incredible to have multiple letters yeah uh and we would get to learn a lot of things and get to do more deep dives like this yeah. so we're going to champion this as one solid letter that is unified and again this incarnation theory uh mm-hmm. theory principle is what's gonna guide us through that. Yeah. Um and if it's fragmented, uh anyone who does that no, I just can't see the
2: seriousness I mean, of that. And
0: yeah, my my problem's like I said, if we jam letters together, then why aren't we jamming all the letters together or like smaller letters together? There is evidence that there might be a third Corinthians, uh-huh. but we don't have it. It's just lost to history. And so why can't another Philippians be lost to history and
1: you can, as well? And you could make a case that there's a 4th Corinthians. Yeah, exactly. Two. Yeah, yeah, And um, then,
0: sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, <laughs> this is my favorite argument that it's a, a collection of letters. Mm-hmm. Was this guy said, in chapter 2, you have a Paphroditus, ill to the point of death. And then later, Epaphroditus seems to be healthy, ready to make a journey. But in chapter 2, it says Epaphroditus is, was ill. And then at verse 27, chapter 2, verse 27, indeed, he was ill, Yeah. but God had mercy on him, and he's not anymore. Like, also, you just if stopped reading and said, this is a collection of letters because Epaphroditus is sick. It's like, no, he's better.
1: Like, he's good. Yeah, so l- let me make your case even further, <laughs> okay? Paul's in jail when yeah. he writes this. That letter, like it's not an email. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Someone is taking that letter to them. Who do you suppose that someone is? Yeah. You know that Epaphroditus is well because he's standing you. He's they're handing you the letter. Literally telling you that he's yeah.
0: giving you the letter. It's so good. So yeah. anyway, yeah. There's just not a lot of concrete, anything. No. It's
1: in my opinion, this Doesn't is something shake. that we have, especially in ancient writing, we just love to do this: create mm. a theory and then go in and try to prove text everything yeah and let the evidence speak for itself
0: it's yeah it's something that this is a little bit of a rabbit hole slash soapbox Mm
1: -hmm. i don't
0: know if that's a thing that can happen but it can uh we just do this with ancient people in general like uh there's no way that the pyramids could be built by people it was aliens there's no way that william shakespeare could have written all these fantastic works it's like just because they're old doesn't mean they weren't capable of something. And I feel like that's what Philippians, when you read it, is concise. But we tend to do this with ancient people where we discredit things. Even when they, like, Philippians isn't some long, uh, a mate. like, it's not a huge work of fiction that's just unbelievable. Like, it's right. it's not like the works of will. It's four chapters. Yeah. But we tend to do this thing where it's like, well, it's a little, distor- it, there's a little change in theme. So... Collection. Like, there's no way that this is just one letter.
1: Yeah, like, Paul's not capable of uh, doing that. Yeah,
0: or Paul's not capable of, like, writing a letter, maybe taking a break, and then coming back and be like, oh, hey, write this down, scribe. Yeah. like
1: In in prison.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just silly. Anyway.
1: It, it, yeah, I, I get frustrated with that, too. I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page with you on that. Um, okay, let's let's address this, the, the origin and date of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, again, I think you and I are going to be on the same page with this, too. Yeah. We've said this a a couple times. Paul wrote this from Rome during his imprisonment. Mm -hmm. Uh, His imprisonment is documented in the last third of the book of Acts and how he arrives in Rome as a prisoner. And really, they kind of don't know what to do with him at that point. So he is allotted certain freedoms. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Uh, So Paul's in prison, but he has the freedom to
0: entertain visitors. Uh, You could go visit him pretty freely. He's... Basically, they arrested him because it's like, this is a new law. <laughs> like, we need to figure out something
1: to Yeah, do and the Jews know. have turned you over to this, and yeah. we don't know. We thought a- you were a
0: Jew, man. Like, yeah, what, yeah. what's going on with this? And it's he keeps confusing. appealing
1: to Caesar. Yeah. So
0: he's in, several and times he could have been free. He's a Roman citizen, so yeah. we have to listen to that.
1: Several times he could have been freed, and, and so he just keeps appealing there. Uh, he's got freedom to write letters. Uh, clearly, these visitors would come take care of him, Epaphroditus being one of them. Hey, we heard you were in prison. We're going to send this to you, yep. right? Um, during his time, the church is booming, and they're emboldened by his time in prison. He's going to describe some of that in our letter here. Um, Paul's awaiting a verdict, uh, but I think it's fair to say that he was confident in a favorable outcome because he tells of plans to come and visit again, Yeah, right? Okay, where dispute with all of that kind of thing happens... Uh, it, is there's multiple times that he has visited, multiple people who have visited from Philippi to Rome, and there's some people saying, well, this couldn't have happened that many times because that it's just such a long way. I, I, I've got some documentation that documented how you would travel from Rome to Philippi. Yeah. I want to read this. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, you and I might be the only two people in the world that think this is kind of neat.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I mean... If you want to talk about efficiency of travel, you're, you you got and like the history of efficient travel. Yes. You, the Romans will probably be the, like one of the first mentions because they were, they anything they were nothing but efficient when it uh, came to how to get from A to B.
1: Yes. So in the '50s, when our highway was really the highway system was being developed, mm-hmm. it was modeled after the Roman highway. Yeah. All right. Um, now. Keep in mind though, Paul's not jumping, or people visiting Paul aren't jumping in private planes and landing in Philippi. Yeah. They're not jumping in their cars, their vans, their SUVs or anything like that. So there is some work to do this. I'm just going to read this, okay? Yeah. This This is Richard Melanick who who documented this for us. Um, and If you don't have a map, hit pause on this. Go open a map uh, of first century Roman Empire and you'll be able to follow this a little bit better, okay? The, the visual aid will help. But I think this is so this is so fascinating to me. The trip to Rome from Philippi was approximately 800 miles. Uh, from Rome, the traveler would follow the Apian Way to Brundisium for 360 miles, take a ship across the Adriatic to Dyrachium, mm-hmm. two days with favorable weather, uh, and followed the Ignatian Way via Ignatius, or via Ignatia, to Philippi for 370 miles. Sir William Ramsey estimated that a foot foot traveler could cover roughly 15 to 20 miles per day on the Roman roads or the Roman highway. That equals 52 days by the slower rate and 39 by the faster. Imperial couriers traveled at a rate of 50 miles per day perhaps with the help of carriages or horses. That makes the travel time only 15 land travel days, two sea travel days and whatever intervals were needed for rest and inclement weather. Some estimate that the travel requirements of five months traveling round trip and thus 10 months total for four one-way trips can easily fit into one year of time. I think that's incredible that's great yeah that's incredible that we're able to document uh, to, to document that so um, we we really don't have a, any issues then how this relates to us here that this letter originated from Paul in Rome while he was in prison because there can be back and oh, forth yeah um, it, it, all that stuff can happen, so the date we have is somewhere between a d sixty and sixty two mm-hmm. I lean closer to the earlier, yeah, early one. Just when you kind of compare that to the rest of his mission work mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Book of Acts. Yeah,
2: fair.
0: I
1: think yeah. it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, when you said I'm going to read this about how you could get from Rome to Philippi, I was like, I think there's two roads. It'd be like saying I'm taking. Uh, I'm trying to think of the an interstate that connects with 35. 35 to. K15. Uh,
1: 35 well, to
0: I70. 35 to 74 will yeah. take you from. Will take you from Wichita. To Des Moines, Iowa, and then to Armstrong, Illinois, where I'm from.
1: Yeah, 35 to I-70 West will land you in Denver. Yeah, right. And so that's and, literally how
0: you get to Philippi to Rome. Is oh yeah, it's just uh, Ignatia to Appia. And you're it, good.
1: Yeah, and and it would be three if there was no sea travel. Yeah. Right. And so you would have to add a couple more days after that. But I don't know why you wouldn't do why why you'd do that. Yeah. So and for the most part, if you stayed on the Roman roads, the highways, they were pretty they're fairly well protected in most yeah. areas
0: roman travel efficiency it, it, was significant it,
1: it's incredible they're, yeah the, gosh that's that's a whole nother
0: that's why the saying all roads lead to rome was a, a thing yes like that they had very efficient roads
1: correct correct okay so um and kind of fitting into this uh just something I think that's worth pointing out, and then we'll we'll probably address this, is that clearly there was, we're going to call these Paul's opponents, Mm -hmm. okay? But opponents might be too strong. It's in the letter. There's clearly some teaching that pushed against what Paul taught. Yeah. All right. Now, some people say there's as many as four different groups of opponents that Paul addresses in here. Mm -hmm. So chapter 1, verse 15 through 17 and chapter 1 verses 27 and 28. Okay. So there's two. Uh, And then in chapter 3 verse 2 he addresses somebody else and then in chapters 3 then chapter 3 verses 18 and 19. Yeah. All right. I'm going to push against that because I don't think the chapter 1 folks are actual opponents of Paul. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He addresses them as Christian preachers. Mm -hmm. All he does is address the motivation of their preaching. Yeah. Talking about people Preaching for their own personal gain, but I am grateful that they're presenting the gospel. Yeah, right. At least in their fa- in their faulty motivation or their faulty intent, the gospel is being preached. Yeah. I think of our kind of health and wealth.
0: I was gonna say when I made that <gasps> fake. Yeah. People can't see my face. That was me like pretending to clutch my pearls. <laughs> there you go. People do that today.
1: <laughs> they do, and we we can. We can push against that
0: like Paul does. Yeah, exactly. We're, you and I would still say they're preaching the gospel, question their motivation, but the gospel's being preached at least. Maybe somebody's getting baptized, you know?
1: Jesus, people are coming to know Jesus yeah. through that, and God can work however he wants with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, but when you compare that to the people he addresses in chapter 3, of which he calls at least these things, okay? calls them dogs, evildoers, cutters. Enemies of the cross, right? Yeah. And he talks about some law and liberty things, um, addresses some Gentile issues. Perhaps we get back into the realm of Judaizers. Mm -hmm. Um, What Paul is really addressing is really legalism and legalistic teachings. Yeah. Um, And he addresses certain things that they bring up, or at least that he has heard they bring up, like food laws and sacrifices. Even, he even comes has this teaching about uh, their God is their stomach, yeah. right? Um, I've, one person I saw describe it as a form of Gnosticism. Hmm. Okay, so Gnosticism is a really bizarre thing when when you look at it because it can have all it can show up all kinds of different ways.
0: Yeah, and it yeah. sticks around for a long time. It
1: does. If you're not familiar with Gnosticism, I, I would highly encourage you to google it yeah to to kind of figure out what but it's essentially saying that the world is evil and the only way to know that is to acquire this special knowledge or spiritual knowledge Mm -hmm. and then you'll be able to notice the evil so that you can do good and where Gnosticism kind of infiltrates the church is jesus was what showed the way to this special knowledge yeah right um this guy said that what Paul is addressing in chapter three is a form of Gnosticism that's really Christian perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have come to know Jesus. Now look at how perfectly I live my life, and there's a boasting about it. And it's look, I'm 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 now free from all the evil and, and look
0: how much better I am. Look
1: how much better it is. So come to know Jesus so that you can be perfect. Yeah. Right? And not, I'm not talking about your soul is cleansed. It's now you, can, now you have the knowledge to lead a perfect life. Yeah. Where you and I would say, uh, we know Jesus, and well, because of that, I'm now seeing all of my faults. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing everywhere I'm convicted. Oh, life is messy. I need Jesus to help walk through the mess. Yeah. Right? So Paul says dogs, evildoers, cutters, enemies of the cross. You're not understanding what the cross was. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I think that's fascinating. I'm I'm willing to bet that shows up uh, over the next several weeks as we go through this.
2: Sure.
1: Okay. Um, Real quickly, here's, there's a, again, big time theological uh, discussions that are going to happen. I've got like four I've organized this into. All right. Uh, So Paul's going to address the situation in Rome. um, And for him, Christ is magnified, which is the incarnational principle, the incarnation Mm -hmm. principle. hey, Look I make because of what what I am and where I am, Christ is glorified yeah right um, and Paul presents a theology of, of, of kind of what the earthly life is all right the then he addresses church unity um, in an exhortation um, probably because he's experienced a divided church in Rome mm-hmm. uh, the uh, differing Philippian... Prominent women. There's there's some issues going on here, and so he's just addressing that. And these aren't major major things, but it could lead to major things. And he says selfishness is kind of at the root of all this division. So the the IP here, the incarnation principle, is uh, this is solved by Jesus's humility. Mm-hmm. Look at the cross. Yep. We talked about legalism, false teachers. He addresses. Um, there's a danger of external religious preoccupation, right? Look at how well I worship. Look at how perfect my life is now yep. kind of thing. The incarnation principle, the IPE, leads us to a justification of faith, by yep. faith. Um, Paul then says, here's my personal experience with that kind of legalistic teaching. It doesn't work. So imitate me as I imitate Christ.
2: Mm, yep. right?
1: Okay, and then Thanksgiving. There, I mean, a deep theology of Thanksgiving here. Um, the Philippian gift... the the money and even the gift that they sent with Epaphroditus to help out. The IP ultimately is Christian living not as a genre of books but that Christian living is greater than just giving lip service, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The church is called then to imitate Christ and so we have this high-level soteriology teachings and high-level ecclesiastical teachings that here is what salvation is You know, you're saved from something, but you're also saved to something. And here is how the church operates in the midst of that. Yeah. Okay. Those are the things we get to tackle as we read this book. For sure. Good deal. On board. Awesome. Uh, Shall we read just the first two verses? Yeah, do it. Go go for it, man.
0: All right. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. The word of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, and two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's uh, again. This is considered the model letter, mm-hmm. right? That is a model greeting. It is. This is if you study epistles or or, or ancient um, letter writing, mm-hmm. you you'll you you should look at this and you you see a great example of this. Very common. The the only. I did two words I want to point out is this: the words overseers and deacons. Yeah,
0: that's the only two things that I was like, "Ooh, hey, that's fun." Yeah, they're two different words, but they're essentially the same thing. Yeah. Okay. The only difference I found was somebody said uh, overseers could be kind of like elders. Yeah. And deacons are kind of how you understand deacons, just
1: yeah, do it's, the work. So quite literally, so the the the, the Greek word episkopoi for mm-hmm. overseers. This is we translate this into our. What we understand as biblical elders all yep. the time, the Episcopalians. right? Episcopalians. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and we uh, really overseers overseeing the spiritual health of the church. Yeah. Deacons, um, uh, diaconoi, yeah. right? Is also how we tr- our word gr- our Greek word for minister.
0: Yeah.
1: Or servant.
0: I saw this great thing where sorry to yep. interrupt, but uh, this great thing where somebody believes it comes from the word dioko. Uh-huh. which mean which can mean two things it means to persecute yeah but in the sense of to follow someone with the intent to attack but also there's the less violent version of dioko which is to chase after something with the intent to like effectively just catch up to it to like yeah follow something with great intent hmm. and yeah that's where the christ like the early christians were like oh well you need to dioko after people here like yeah. go follow them and attend to what they have. Yes, yeah, not a I, casual following. No, it's you are you a, are to chase these people like a, chase after this work.
1: A committed focused. Yeah.
0: And I just that process. Yeah. Reading that just like changed the way I saw I was, yeah, I'm gonna call the deacons and be like, "I got you. Got to clean my house, guys. Like, I got <laughs> the, bad news for you."
1: Well, here's the problem with that: is we also carry the same title. Yeah, yeah, and so I like, gotta clean my house. Yeah, now. or you gotta clean theirs. <laughs> yeah, I quit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, he he's writing to this in. I I, I just think it kind of clues us into he's writing to the leadership of this church. Yeah. and so thankful I rejoice in such a positive letter. Um, that's going to have some rich, rich doctrinal teaching and theological basis for how the church operates. Yeah. And I think I, I'm looking forward to our dive into this because oh, yeah. there's going to be such great conversation that happens uh, through all this, and we get to break down a bunch of words that I think are really important for us to understand as a church. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: there's one. I just, sorry, I'm just <laughs> excited for Philippians.
1: It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be
0: really good. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's all I got. Yeah.
1: Unless you have
0: uh, anything on.
1: I think we squeeze out every single thing we could possibly squeeze out of an introduction.
0: For sure. For <laughs> the book of uh, Philippians. So that was Philippians 1, 1 through 2 and the introduction. <laughs> uh, next week will be Philippians 1, 3 through 11. Mm-hmm. And so, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or want to tell us we're wrong, you can contact me at Samuel O at SouthRockChristian.com. He's Nick P at SouthRockChristian.com. This is podcast only now, so if you're hearing our voices, you have figured it out. And if not, then you've probably emailed us or asked us why there's no video this week uh, on YouTube, and that's because we're just doing this like this now, which that's is right. a little
1: easier on the eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have a face, we have faces for radio. So that's, that's right, perfect. That's right. Uh, anyway, it's great having you guys, and we'll see you next week.
2: See ya.